Blog Talk Radio. I'm Arturo Freeman, former NFL player, defensive back, and I listen to the Fantasy Gesture. Coming to you live from Leesburg, Florida, for the Fantasy Jester Show. And yes, like I mentioned, guest tonight, Cleveland Indians, Jim Rosenhaus. Um, and obviously, with the doubleheader, you're saying, oh, how can he be on there and on here at the same time? Actually, JT and I went ahead. We uh, pre-recorded with Jim this past Monday and uh, had another fantastic, fantastic time with Jim. Folks, you're listening to Fantasy Justice Show, brought to you by Fantasy Justice Sports. Um, blog Talk Radio, Crystal Clears Hunt. Hello, how's everybody? And then, of course, obviously, the usual standbys of our great sponsors who have been with us from the beginning, both BreadFromYourBed.com and Deep Obsession Charters, West Palm Beach. Our other newbies that have joined in since then, Delane Millicraft, we'll get about them, and we'll get about 84 Lumber and everybody else later on in the show. Right now, though, what is the show besides, as I mentioned, Jim Rosenhaus? What are we giving you tonight? It's going to be a pretty good show. You know, first of all, <laughs> you have the Jim Rosenhaus interview, and, and again, obviously, that's going to be, you know, out of the park. But... JT has committed blasphemy, and that, that's going to be part of my rant tonight. And then uh, also in MLB, it's Bobby Bonilla Day. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, we'll talk about why is it Bobby Bonilla Day? Why are we celebrating a 54-year-old former baseball player? Then we'll also get to talk about the NFL, you know, both Kate and I have an article on FantasyJusticeSports.com uh, over these past couple of days. First, uh, Tate put in there for the whole, uh, you know, top five fantasy wide receivers article, and JT and I will have the opportunity to talk about that. But also, uh, I asked the question, and <laughs> I, I, I've, I've asked a good one, and I really uh, – who is the Giants' number one wide receiver? I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I love Odell, but, you know, read the article, and we're going to discuss it. Uh, JT and I will discuss that later on. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the NHL free agency today. I'm just going to touch on that briefly because there were a couple of moves that I 
I really agreed with and a couple of that I didn't. So I want to get into that just a little bit. And uh, time permitting, if we have any time, we'll get to some wrestling, maybe some FXE, uh, WWE, if not. You can catch that on Wednesday night's podcast because Wednesday night is all about wrestling, FXE, WWE, and anything else you want to throw in. But uh, let me tell you something. As, as some of you already know, this is my time for my rant. And uh, I believe blasphemy. Blasphemy has occurred, and I'm calling rat on my co-host. You know, many of you know, and if you don't, I am a staunch Yankee supporter. Uh, Yankees, Giants, Devils. And um, <laughs> we have a hater. Now, as, as a lot of Yankee fans are used to, you're used to such foolishness, okay? And you deal with it. And, you know, I mean, you feel sorry for people like JT who follow the Oakland A's and wonder what it's like to have a, you know, a real organization that tries. But JT and uh, Tate just recently went on assignment, and they did so in the fine city of Houston, and they were able to catch both back-to-back nights, Oakland A's, JT's team, and Tate's team, the New York Yankees, the following night. And that's all fine. That's all well and good. And I was glad everybody was enjoying, but then a known hater, a known Yankee hater is wearing a jersey of the team that he talks about how he hates. Who does that? Who does that unless you are a closet fan? And you really are. You know, you, when, when you're a small market fan like Oakland, uh, uh, you know, you it's always you really want to be the big guy on the block. You, you, you just always envy it. And it's never more disgusting and on display as JT wearing an Aaron Judge jersey and then claiming, you know, how he's responsible for the victory against Houston last night. And that's all I've heard. And really, had I been able to find a tree with a limb strong enough to hold my fat ass, I would have hung myself today just simply because I, I just couldn't deal with it anymore, and I still have to deal with it. He's going to come on air and try and justify this, and I can't wait to hear. Matter of fact, you know what? Let's let's just get right into the show. Let's get it started, and let, let's get this done and over with because I want to hear him justify where he, he hates the Yankees, hates them, and he's wearing their jersey and claiming the victory for them. Anyway, folks, if you don't know already, Fez437 on Twitter, F-E-Z-437, the one, the only, Jason J.T. Townsend. What's up, J.T.? How are you, sir? You sound so, so happy to hear from me tonight, Jester. I'm doing great. I... I've had to deal with, well, when did the text start uh, last night? Maybe about 10, 10.30, and pretty much it's uh, been... Fifth or sixth inning. Yeah, fifth or sixth inning. 
uh, of a game in which you yourself on Facebook, while seeing me in that aforementioned era, Judge away Yankees jersey, said the Yankees would lose. Now, the way I see it, when you told me that, I said I'm good for around 12 runs for the Yankees, and I'm sorry, I was one below. I actually got you 13 because they're playing the number one team in baseball. They didn't have their top lineup. They did not have their top pitcher, and yet they still win 13 to four. I mean, you know, what you 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 don't you don't see the uh, the correlation to me and my claim on this. So what is it? Uh, all right. So I guess uh, yeah. All right. I'm trying to make the connection, and as I'm trying to make the connection, I guess any time a supposed hater comes out in a jersey. It's like an angel getting their wings, and so the, the the Yankees had to win that one because, you know, hey, listen, you finally came to your senses and wore a jersey of a team worth wearing. See, now, what you're doing is you're, you're missing the whole boat here. See, I feel like, and as the listeners to tonight's show will hear later in the interview with Jim Rosenhaus, my claim to being the Yankees MVP last night, being worth 12, 13 runs, is no more ridiculous than your claim of Jim being on the Jester show being worth 12 or 13 runs to the Cleveland Indians. Now, how come it's okay for you, sir, to do that but not me? I didn't put it – listen – I wasn't the one that put us in the race with Kipnis last year. Okay. Uh-huh. That was put us in that. No, no, no. Let me, let me, you're asking me how do I get there? Now, Jim put us there and we almost made it past Kipnis. Okay. For mm-hmm. the MVP race and came in third. Now, mm-hmm. admittedly, admittedly, they go ahead and they're struggling so far, not not what everybody's expected. Not doing poorly, but also not doing what everybody's truly expected from them. Right. And the night that uh, the night of the interview, mm-hmm. they come back in a fashion like we haven't seen from the Cleveland Indians all year. Right. Right. And, and, and you're really saying that we had zero to do with that? Oh, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying the Yankees hadn't been playing up to what they had been doing all season coming into the game over the last few games. They had dropped below Boston in the the standings, back out of first place. They hated Boston Red Sox. And then magically they're playing the best team in baseball who's on a roll, who's got probably their 1B as far as their best pitch on the mound in Lance McCallum Jr. No doubt. At minute maybe. Yeah, at Minute Maid Park, and they get they get down early. Michael Pineda, um, you know, he looked like Rick Wild thing Vaughn out on the mound, um, 3-1, and then here they come, you know, a couple hits, an error. He really is. The, the guy looks like he has no respect for the game of baseball uh, when he's yeah. out there either, it's, which is something I'll get into later on. But uh, well, let's just be real. And then magically in the fifth and sixth inning, the Yanks hang nine runs uh, 
to put that one out of reach and to put that so far out of reach, listeners, that Naori Aoki was the pitcher for the Astros in the ninth right, inning, right. their uh, yeah. fourth outfielder. Now, they basically said, yeah, we we tap out. <laughs> We're tapping. We're not winning this game. We're not wasting any more arms uh, out of our pen. Um, but, but a couple things I'll be in. But mm-hmm. if you listen, I conceded. I You're said, conceded yeah, I or you conceded? I can see what happens. Well, I'm both. Um, and, but in this case, all right, I'm conceding the uh, whole theory that, yes, you had something to do with it because, like I said, when a hater loses uh, his uh, wings and puts on a jersey, uh, you go ahead and uh, are able to mark that night with a win. The night that you now, really you came do. out of the Yankee closet, if you will. No, 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 no. You see, you're missing the you're missing the big picture here. Most of everything Apparently. I do in this world, most anything I do in this world is despite the jester. I mean, I'm talking to the fans here. Trust me, if you knew this guy, you would do the same thing. It really, really makes the day fun and, and interesting. So not only am I wearing a Yankees jersey, and I knew that would put him over the fucking falls. That was great. But it was an Aaron Judge jersey. A guy that one of my best friends, Mr. Tate Dello, lifelong Yankee fan, has been uh, giving the gesture a hard time about all season. You can hear some of that on some of the archived episodes. It keeps sticking <laughs> Aaron Judge. Yeah, he's giving me a hard time because I was dumb enough to back you on the idea that it was a good trade, and it turns out that, no, you made a bad trade and Judge turned into being Judge. You really shouldn't. Actually, you should really shouldn't use something that makes you look silly for giving up Aaron Judge it, before the season. But it doesn't make me look Hunter silly. Hunter Renfro is actually Hunter Renfro is playing quite well here recently. Getting the average needs to get the average a bit, but who doesn't in Major League Baseball these days? You know the home run powers. I think it's up to sixteen, seventeen bombs. I'm sure everybody uh, in the fantasy know. world would rather have Hunter Renfro right now than Aaron Judge. You're right. Oh, it's a dynasty league and a long season, my friend. Um, but oh, it'll be getting longer for you. No, it'll never get longer for me. See, I still got six titles. So yeah, you may be winning this year, but when you get your first title in that league, then you come talk to me. All righty, I'm coming. I'm coming in your league. Um, I've had to master your league, sir. And uh, by the looks of things, and I'm pretty sure we can get the rest of the league to come uh, on this. And uh, confirm that, yes, I have mastered the league, certainly this year for sure. Well, like I said, sun shines on a dog's fat ass every now and again, and your butt must be sticking straight up in the air this week. So let me tell you something. When you win 18 categories in a, so far in a 25-category league, that must have mm-hmm. been a huge sun then. Oh, huge ass. Isn't there games to it's go both. this evening? Aren't there games to play this evening? There's games to play tomorrow, too. It's all good. Oh, stuff. okay. So, so let, let's check it's back in on how many know. categories you actually won. Let's, let's check on over. how many categories you actually won because though the fat ass is in the air, the fat lady ain't selling you. Yeah. Just remember one thing, okay? That fat ass somehow had the sun shine on him the first time we met in that 16-category ass beating, and now um, you're getting beat even worse. I mean, I don't know how and why 
you'd even be talking about this. I mean, if I were you, I'd be no, wanting to get I, off this topic and talk no, about no, me or something. See, no, because see, I've still got five rings on one hand and one on the other. Where so, you uh, so you're talking me. about history? No, what I used to have hair. What does that matter? I used to have hair. Well, you what is what you did years ago matter? You talk about it's the Yankees twenty-seven championship. It's terrible. It's terrible. You see, guys, this is the case of when you have to live see, in the past. It's terrible. How the when we talk about the Yankees, we talk about their magical 27 victories in the World Series. Yet I've got my six rings. You're the one wearing their jersey. Now we're much, back to hating much, for the purpose much of the Much more recently than the Jesters, Yankees have a ring. <laughs> I've got my six <laughs> See, this is how he rolls, folks. Do you have the jersey on, you the jersey on as jersey. you're doing this broadcast? Do you have the Yankee no, jersey on as you're doing the broadcast? No, not wearing it tonight. Did you get yourself a Yankee ball cap while you were at the stadium? No, I don't like hats. No, not a hat person? No, hats always give me a headache for some reason. Do you have an A's hat, though? I mean, I'm sure you've I've seen your no. A's jersey. Do you have an A's hat? Yeah. No, I don't have any hats. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm not a cat person. What about not a cat person. Uh Got to ask you something. What about the – did you see how much Bonilla makes this year? And every year still he's got several more years to go. He makes another million. I mean, the guy's got a, The guy's got deferred money for, I think, until what, – what is it, like another 10 years or more? Yeah, exactly. What he has <laughs> is funny, actually. Um he has he gets folks so that you know every July first he gets one point one nine million <laughs> until twenty thirty five. Oh wow, he's got a ways to go yet. What he had done was years ago, okay, and he, he, it was a shrewd business move on his part and his agent's part, but it was pretty dumb on the Mets' part. Uh, he deferred. Yeah, he he deferred. Five point nine million over several years, and it's turning into when it's all said and done, twenty nine point eight million. Wow! He is currently fifty four, and has eighteen more years to go. You know what? Fantastic for him, and uh, you know, I mean. If more players would think about the future like that, you wouldn't have the uh, Clinton Portis of the world claiming bankruptcy, a guy that made $43.9 million in his NFL career who just filed for bankruptcy. So you got to look at Bobby Bonilla and say kudos to you, sir. Hats off. Hell of a move yeah, on his oh, part. Oh, no doubt. Brilliant move on their part. But, I mean, uh, I, I just can't believe it. That has to be one of the worst sports deals ever. There's a lot of them, but that's definitely in the top three. Yeah. So, uh, you know, before before we get off of baseball and get to Jim's interview, let me ask you something, though. You had uh, two days down in Houston. How did you enjoy your two Mm -hmm. days? Yeah, well, interesting part is I got to see the uh, the opposite end of, of of the spectrum Thursday night to see a well, at this point, what's become an annual bottom feeder franchise in the Oakland A's. And a lot of it started when Lou Wolf 
purchased the majority of the team in 2005, became basically a guy that spends the bare minimum on players. We've talked about the wretched toilet bowl, the stadium that they play in. It's an absolute embarrassment to Major League Baseball uh, in the Oakland Coliseum. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't want to hear, well, he doesn't own the stadium or, well, you know, Stephen Ross didn't own Miami Stadium uh, completely, but yet he spent money to upgrade it to attract Super Bowls or other events or, hey, just to make it a better experience for the fans. No, we tarp off the entire outfield, every deck. Uh, it, it's ridiculous. But anyway, you know, get the chance to see Oakland. You have guys, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is this year. I don't think the pitching is that much better. But you look at so many major league rosters and you see a half of the guys or more are batting below 220. You know, you got a guy in Matt Olson in Oakland who's mm-hmm. batting below 170 uh, in, in, the, you know, in the middle of your lineup. And you know right then and there you're in for a long day. Um, Franklin Barreto got a chance to see one of their top prospects. You know, a guy that they'll have for two or three years and then we won't pay him and we'll trade him somewhere. So, uh, you know, he'll, he'll blossom for some other team. You know, he looked good. Uh, the Astros themselves, though, the pitching was strong. Some great hitters in that lineup. Carlos Correa hit an absolute bomb to center field. Hit two home runs in that game. Uh, Jose Altuve. You know, the Astros have a nice little stadium there. It's nice and cozy. But only can I and my partner Tate go to a baseball game. Okay, folks? Inside. It's in a dome. Your dome is closed. And we're sitting there getting rained on like a uh, mini waterfall for half of the game. So inside the stadium, we're getting rained on. All row. And what, how, what, explain how. Explain how that so happened. This, is a re, this is a retractable roof stadium, uh, the former Enron field. Uh, retractable roof stadium. Roof is closed. And, you know, we should have known – when we get to the game and we look around and we see the guys in front of us are holding umbrellas. Never, you know, I'm now thinking maybe it was a giveaway, maybe it was something. Never registered. But, yeah, the roof doesn't seal on that row, so when it rains a particular direction, you get a monsoon inside the stadium. So, needless to say, not only did it rain on my team on the field, but it rained on their fans off the field as well. So uh, Friday night, though, let's go to the flip side of that. You go to okay. see an organization, an organization that, the A, their fans travel extremely well. I would say, uh, I believe it was 42,000 in attendance last night. I would venture to say a good 60% of that was Yankee fans. Um, you know, uh, loud, boisterous, uh, and a lot of the fans there, as I mentioned to you off the air, um, intelligent fans know the game, root for their team regardless. Um, thirteen to four, you know, thirteen to four game, much much uh, different game than the night before. You know, Yankees uh, at least their ownership, though their GM is a moron, their ownership uh, definitely cares about the the fan. You can see it in the the new Yankee Stadium; it's gorgeous. You can see it in the money that's paid to the players on the field. And you can also see, it's fun to see the transition from the Teixeiras and some of the older players, the Beltron type of players, 
to the younger guys now that the Yankees are finally trying to get rid of that stigma, uh, stigma that they've been kind of an older team. You know, it's a team that's in transition still uh, in the race for first place in the AL East. So uh, very impressed with what I saw there. And only in Houston, after the game, the roof opens. You'll see these pictures on fantasyjustersports.com. The roof opens, and they have a fireworks celebration over the stadium in the city to celebrate the home team losing 13-4. So uh, fun night and all, uh, but definitely got to see the difference in the business side of baseball between the way that uh, Mr. Fisher, who now is the majority owner of the A's, runs things. Let me get that bare minimum so I can go ahead and get that luxury tax money and the revenue sharing versus we're going to pay whatever it takes to make sure our fans get the proper experience in New York. So East Coast, West Coast, once again. Well, and, you know, it's not just the the uh, small market part of it. It's the professionalism part of it. You think about some of the conditions that you were talking about, whether it's in the dugout or the locker rooms and all that. What player are you going to get there? Is exactly. Mike Trout ever going to come there? No. It, it, no. It, you know, simply because of how – he would have to live his day-to-day baseball life under what conditions. And when you have the option, yeah, sure. If you have the option of the Oakland athletics and their stadium situation and how they do things in general, okay, on a shoestring, or you have the Yankees of the world who do everything over the top pretty much Mm -hmm. because they can you know, I mean, but you also have the team teams like the Twins, like the Twins, like the Rays that stay competitive right. because they're able to attract decent players because they're not they, they don't run a poor organization. Even Tampa with their attendance problems, you talk to the players, okay, the team treats them fantastic. The locker room is gorgeous. Right. The only knock I have on the Rays is is the dome trop, the dome there. It's it's yeah. an absolute it's an absolute piece of garbage to place to go watch a game and to play a game. I imagine uh, the only reason I rank it above Oakland Stadium is well, let's be real, you don't have human feces backed up in the dugouts during the game like you do in Oakland. Uh, how you yeah. know? And, and, and let's be real. Let's be real. When you say small market. Mr. Fisher has the money to be competitive. Oakland used to pay their players, Ricky Henderson's, Mark McGuire's, Jose Canseco's, yeah. you know, Eric Chavez, Giambi. They used to pay their players, Miguel Tejada. Now it's, hey, let me take advantage of the system. And kudos to you, Mr. Fisher, for taking, you know, you know caution and getting, let me, just, let me just collect. I'll collect that luxury tax money, and I'll make my money that way. He makes his money. He doesn't care about the product or the, the A's, and you mentioned Mike Trout and Oakland. Here's the one thing that I noticed, and I've noticed it a lot more. Not that the teams like the Yankees and the Cubbies and the Red Sox don't still have that tradition and that air about them, but players now don't care about that tradition. It's Rod Tidwell syndrome. Show me the money. That's all they care about. 
it's not man. What a historic franchise the New York Yankees are. I just want to, I want to wear that Yankee uniform, you know, and, and play in center field. It's, and I'm not saying Trout's a paycheck player because he's one of the few that aren't, but show me the money because that's what it seems like it is now. And Oakland's not giving anyone any money. Well, yeah, they're not giving them any money. They're not giving them a, a, a respectable place to do their business. To do their business, no. their business of playing ball, okay, where it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where you spend your day-to-day life uh, as far as in the training room and, and the locker room and the dugout and the conditions that you have to do right. your day-to-day business under. Well, this is you know, where I, mean, I need the Jester's help. This is where I need the Jester's help. And I'll, I'll touch on this a little more in the article that's coming here very shortly on the website, but... I want you to help me start a petition that instead of them tearing down the ballpark in Arlington that the Rangers are giving away basically to get their brand-new retractable ring stadium, I would like uh, Chinook helicopters to attach cables and just pick the whole thing up and take it to Oakland (laughs) because this ballpark is one billion times. The bathrooms are nicer than anything in Oakland, Alameda. O.co Coliseum. And to have Ricky Henderson's name attached to that field is an absolute slap in the face to the history of the Oakland A's and Ricky Henderson. So we need to fix that as well. But yes, let us have their ballpark and we'll just forget that, that hole in the earth that uh, O.co sits on. So maybe you can help me with that. Well, you know, um, I, I don't know about that, but maybe we could start petitioning the league as far as what they're doing to help the rundown stadiums in the league. In other words, I'm sure they have to have a rating system of who has the state-of-the-art stadiums and who has the shittiest stadiums in the league. So my idea is, okay, why don't we take some of that money – the millions and millions that we obviously have in baseball and go ahead and help them build a stadium. Now, listen, my thing is this. If you could do this in Oakland and Tampa, okay, now I'll get to Tampa in a second, but Oakland, how about a new Oakland stadium on the water? Mm -hmm. Start building a little tradition over there, a little pride over there. Once again, for a once, like you said, it was a once proud organization. You can take league money and help that organization be able to garner some real players for themselves. Help that. The idea of the luxury tax is supposed to be to help these uh, teams build, not just go in the owner's pocket. So maybe we can start designating where some of this money goes besides just the owner. Right. Like, in other words, you know the how about a percentage that. must go back. Back. And I don't know, maybe you know, there is something in place. This is something to check into, uh, where a percentage of the money must go back. Well, the irony of the whole thing is you have the, and this is my opinion, you have the most amazing stadium in Major League Baseball right across the bay in San Francisco, and then you've got the shittiest stadium in baseball right next to it. So uh, yeah. talk about opposite ends of the spectrum. And just real quick, before we go ahead, we're going to uh, take a commercial and then get to the Jim Rosenhaus interview that we've been telling you about, folks. 
Um, I'd like to see the same thing happen down here in Tampa. See, the Lightning are uh, real close to the water over there, and they've got a gorgeous facility. They've got it set up beautifully for the fans. And believe it or not, hockey attracts just as many, if not more, on any given night than uh, baseball than the baseball team does. You've got a beautiful location right on the water there that you can go put a new stadium, have your retractable roof for because it is the summer in Florida, but have those gorgeous nights on the water and a new stadium for that for that team. Take it out of where they can't get people to park, first of all. Take it out of, out of a, it's an old relic now of a building. These are things that the league, you know, should put the money back into some of these teams to help these teams grow more. You're helping your own product if you do that. That's just my opinion, folks. What do I, what do I know? What I do know is this. You are listening to the Fantasy Jester Show brought to you by FantasyJesterSports.com, Blog Talk Radio, BreadFromYourBed.com. You know, Joey and the gang over there, I'll tell you, absolutely fantastic. They are a personal finance blog. They help you in every way, shape, and form to make a little extra money, all the way from just a, you know, a couple extra dollars, maybe even a short a couple of dollars each week, maybe a little gas money to help, maybe a little something for the kids. Maybe take your wife out for dinner or something. Just a couple extra dollars that wouldn't hurt. Joey and the gang, go on that site. They'll show you I don't, countless ways to make a little extra money. But say you're getting tired of the rat race. You want to start your own business from home, but you really don't know how. Joey and the gang, fantastic job. They'll help get you set up. So they'll, they'll even help you handle, say you're not social media friendly, you know, Facebook, Twitter, and all that. Joey and the gang will help you with that as well. Again, breadfromyourbed.com. Can't get any easier than that. Also, we're brought to you by Deep Obsession Charters, West Palm Beach. Ryan and the gang will show you one hell of a time down there, folks. I'm telling you, if you're in Florida and you want to go out on a nice adventure, now listen, this is for those of you out there who are a certified scuba diver or not. They have several different dives for all different experience levels. It's absolutely fantastic how they have it set up. Anything from the uh, Blue Heron Bridge Dive, one of the best macro dives out there, to their baited shark dives. That's right. They'll dive with sharks with you. No cage. Display that whole myth that, you know, all the sharks are out there that are killers and it's shark week. No, no. Ryan and the gang will show you the truth about these beautiful creatures. And also, some of their other dives are wreck dives that are out there, boats, planes, reef dives. See some amazing uh, creatures. Again, deep obsession charters. West Palm Beach. Cannot beat them, folks. I'll tell you. Hi, this is Jim Rosenhouse with the Cleveland Indians, and you are listening to the Fantasy Jester. JT, 
That's crazy because, you know, the guy that's coming on any minute now sounds just like that guy. Uh, you've heard he does. him. Does he sound like him? He sounds just like him. Absolutely. And maybe there's a small reason, folks, why he sounds like him. Uh, good friend of the show. He's been on before. You can listen to some of the archived editions of Jim Rosenhouse, Cleveland Indians radio announcer, on either iTunes, the Fantasy Jester, sports.com website. Great Great man, great stories. You can also hear him. You know, I mentioned Cleveland Indians radio, and that's it. You can also hear him on Indians warm-up and tribe talk on WTAM. Without any further ado, Jim Rosenhouse. Jim, how are you today, sir? Good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. You know, I want to get right into it, Jim. We had a discussion the other day on, on the show, JT and I, had a little bit of a debate about the Miller move to the ninth, and there's talk that he might stay there once uh, Cody Island's back. And uh, I thought it, would, it was a great move, and they should leave him there so that, you know, you, you know you've got the ninth locked down. I mean, completely locked down. And also, if you need an out or two in the eighth, Leave him there, and this way you could do matchup, pitcher, batter, getting to him. Now, do you share that sentiment? Do you want to see them keep Miller in the ninth, or no? You want Cody Allen back? Well, the, the reason they did it actually was because Miller had pitched a bunch in, in a series against the Dodgers, and, and it just, um, I think Terry Francona was looking for a way to limit him to just the one inning. And actually, Cody Allen came to, to Terry and said, hey, you know, if you need to, to flip-flop us to limit his workload because he was getting extended a little bit, uh, and they were a little bit concerned about that, uh, he said, go ahead and make the switch. Uh, you know, I'll gladly work earlier, and, and if that means, you know, working more than the one inning and, and going over multiple innings, that type of thing, he'd be happy to do it. So that was the reason that they did it in, initially. Okay. And and I think I really think Tito would prefer to have Miller at points in the game. I mean, a lot of times you wait till the ninth inning and the game could be decided. The the key point in the game could be the seventh or eighth inning, and I think he likes to have that flexibility of having Miller there, with the knowledge that that Cody Allen can close as as well as anybody. So I, if they haven't switched it back yet, because we just haven't seen that situation come up really since the Dodgers series. Um, so uh, because of a couple of different things going on, but um, I think you'll see him put, put Allen back there when, when things calm down a little bit. So, but it remains to be seen. I think he's comfortable either way. And it's okay. usually not based on, on who he thinks can close the game better. It's, it's more just what he'd like to do in the innings leading up to the ninth inning. Situational. Situational. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, JT had brought up, and we, again, just recently on the show, JT brought up an option that could help out the pen, and I, I don't think he should go to the pen. JT, you want to talk to Jim about that one? Uh, my thought is when I look at someone like Danny Salazar, I see something similar to what I saw from Wade Davis early in his career with uh, the Royals, a guy that has incredible stuff, but a guy that I think will be better suited to be a long reliever 
uh, early on or maybe even go to back of the bullpen at some point in his career. Uh, that way he can just kind of cut it loose and let it go. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, they got to get Danny Salazar healthy first, and he's not right now, so that's why he's he's working right now on the DL with with the Double A ball club in Akron, and they're trying to they're trying to get him squared away to where he's going to be feeling strong and better. I got to be honest with you, if they can get 150 innings out of Salazar, they'd rather do that than put him in the bullpen. Um, but with that said, so far he's had a hard time getting there. So I don't think they're at that point yet. Uh, it might be something that comes up at some point in time, but right now they need starting pitching. Uh, the starting rotation is a little bit thin in terms of depth, and I think they feel pretty good about the bullpen right now. They're not really worried about adding another arm there. So right. at least at this point, they're they're going to continue to try and bring Salazar back as a starting pitcher and, and I'd be surprised if that changed anytime soon just because of where the need is right now. And also they've, mm-hmm. they've seen Salazar start and, and give them, you know, six, seven strong innings at a time and be very successful at that. Um, just not over that full season where he stays healthy. Now you're talking about Indian. What are the differences you see in Corey Kluber before the DL stint and after, because he's been absolutely dominant here recently. Yeah, the, uh, the breaking ball's been much better. Uh, he was struggling coming out of spring training, trying to work through a lower back issue that they thought they could manage and, and work on him between starts and still have him start every fifth day. But it got to a point where he just couldn't get the extension that he needs to, to get that wipeout breaking pitch really working. So they put him on the DL, and the difference of a month of rest and then rehabilitation and really working on the issue to get it right, uh, it's it's not night and day, but it's pretty darn close, and, and he's yes, been really. absolutely tremendous since coming back. Uh, what did he finish with the other day? 13, 13 strikeouts. Yeah, that was just unbelievable. Yeah. I was watching that. I I had to I had to leave. I was watching part of the game, and uh, he was at 13 when I walked away, and I was just like, oh, he is back, and he's back wonderfully. Uh, so it makes you wonder then, Jim, and, and this is this is my uh, question to you, is that recently, and unless I'm reading incorrectly, uh, Mike Chernoff just uh, traveled for several days with the team. And uh, in the past, that could signal a move. Now, do you feel that it's uh, that they might be addressing the – struggle that they're having versus lefties? As far as down the road? Yeah, in other words, uh, right now they're struggling against lefties. Do you see them uh, doing anything about that? Well, um, probably not because I think they have right-handed hitting that's that's pretty solid. And uh, they saw some lefties on the road trip and, and actually went, I want to say they went 4-0 and against lefties on the road okay. trip. So, obviously, early on, it absolutely was a problem. Um, mm-hmm. But when, when you think about it, um, their best power hitter, Edwin Encarnacion, is right-handed. So, mm-hmm. in terms of facing lefties, that's good. And then your, your next best hitters would be Jose Ramirez, uh, Francisco Lindor. Uh, and when he's 
when he's going well, Carlos Santana, they're all they're all switch hitters, so that kind of negates lefties. Now, admittedly, all three of them are not hitting lefties as well as they do righties in in terms of switch hitting. But Austin Jackson has come along real nice. Um, generally, Jason Kipnis and Michael Brantley as left-handed hitters hit lefties just fine. So it's it's something that obviously early in the season was a struggle, but I think it's because the hitters in general were struggling at the plate. But I think we've seen in the last week to 10 days where they've gotten it rolling. And in terms of of Mike Chernoff being on the trip, the the Indians general manager, they actually, they were going into a weekend in Minnesota where they had a day night double header and they're in the midst of 22 games in 20 days. So he was with the team to make sure that, that they were okay in terms of making the different roster moves that you can make when you have a day-night doubleheader. Um, oh, and, and they did. They're, they're shuttling guys back and forth between AAA and the big leagues to make sure their pen is, is well-rested and has enough fresh arms. And also, uh, if they need to get a position player in and out just to, to rest some guys, they're doing that too. So that's why he made that trip, just to kind of take that off of, of Terry Francona's plate and, and have that extra support there for him. JT, you want to follow that up? Um, yeah, you know, last time I uh, saw you in uh, in Houston for the Indians Astros Series, we talked a little bit about Bradley Zimmer and the adjustments. You'd mentioned that he made some adjustments to his stance. Uh, 293 uh, clip, at, not just at 99 at bats coming into today. Uh, what do you see there with Bradley Zimmer? He's been doing great. I mean, he's continued along the path that, that you probably saw when he was just coming up and, and the team was in Houston. Uh, he, he's been right around 300 uh, most of the time that he's been up. He's played an outstanding center field. He's yeah. he's the Indians' best defensive outfielder. Uh, there's no wow. question. He stepped right in and and uh, has really solidified center field. And, you know, they're they're not playing him against every left-hander that they see but he's starting to see more and more of that. So he's not playing every day quite, but uh, I think that's, that's something that, that a lot of teams will do with a young player. They'll, they will kind of pick their spots with them to, to really give them a good chance to have success and build up that confidence before just running them out there every day and, and sink or swim, that type of thing. So they brought him along nicely. He's taken advantage of the opportunity and he's been a big boost to the Indians lineup, both offensively and defensively. And he is lightning fast out of the box. That is one thing I noticed for a man his size. He gets out of that box down the line very quickly. Yes, and and that's a a big key. I think, gosh, at least two or three infield base hits, a couple of bunt base hits, uh, and, I mean, first to third's automatic. I think he already has seven stolen bases. So uh, a lot to like there from Bradley Zimmer. Young talent. Yeah, Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. You know, I want to see, going back to training camps, uh, as you're going through the different teams and you're seeing some of that young talent, Jim, was there anybody that, you know, I mean, you've been around baseball a while now, so was there anybody as you went through the camps, not on Cleveland, that caught your eye and said, you know, that young man has some talent or he seems to do it right or he's got the work ethic? Somebody that hasn't come up yet that maybe we could be looking forward to down the road. With the Indians or, or other clubs? Just any – no, no, uh, separate now. Let's travel away just 
for a second from the tribe and go with through your time in the camps this past year. You've had the opportunity. I mean, to I gotta be teams. honest with you. I, I, I mean, we would see teams in, in exhibition games, but um, I didn't really visit camps during the morning to to see the type of stuff that we would see at our camp. So, I mean, uh, obviously there there are certain rookies that are are breaking out here early, like uh, Cody Bellinger and, and players like that. But I gotta be honest with you, we see so many guys in spring training games; they all kind of run together after a while. They all run together. Um, so yeah, in, in terms of somebody jumping out, that uh, I I wouldn't. I can't even remember. It seems like so long ago. Jim, somebody I know you have saw. Somebody I know you have saw. Talk to us about Francisco Mejia. Was it at one point three straight five hit games? Uh, I mean, this guy is. is it absolutely looks amazing defensively as well as offensively. You know that the Indians are extremely high on him, and it was our first look at him in Major League camp this year, and and he didn't look overmatched. And, and it, that's easy to do in spring training because you, you can easily be fooled by spring training numbers. But with that said, he was impressive. And, yes, the, the defensive part of it, I think, is that, that equation that, that the Indians are most interested in. Obviously, they love his bat. That that's easy to see. But mm-hmm. considering the demands placed on a catcher in the big leagues, especially for this staff, they put a lot on Jan Gomes and Roberto Perez to handle the pitching staff. They want to make sure that he can do that. And in Mejia's case, his English has has really come along nicely. So he's able to communicate with the pitchers. Uh, his throwing arm is outstanding. Sandy Alomar, yes. the Indians' first base coach and former catcher, was saying it's it's one of the best arms that he's seen, uh, just raw raw throwing arm. Um, now, there's a lot more to throwing out base runners in terms of quick release mm. and things like that. He set a great foundation to work with, and apparently the work ethic's pretty good, so that's important. And uh, I think you would have to say Lindor's here, now Zimmer's here, and I I would say Mejia is the next big prospect that the Indians are waiting on. Are we seeing him this year? No, not at all. Not at double A. And, and they're happy with their catching situation right now. I know offensively they're, you know, they're, they're both struggling, but uh, you don't bring up a young catcher from double A with still some things to learn in terms of handling a pitching staff for a team in a okay. pennant race that depends on pitching. It, you just wouldn't see right. that. So, And they don't – there's no reason to rush him. They don't want to rush no. him. There's no reason to. Let me ask you something. Really well. Yeah, that, that was a good point now, but let me ask you something. Is, is his bat worth bringing up in September so that he can get a feel of what lies ahead, especially during the pennant race and – Seeing how the major league catchers handle themselves during that time, do you see possibly calling up in September? Just you know, like you said, you mentioned everybody talks about this kid's hitting. Now he doesn't have to handle the staff. You, you, you see any of that happening? Or no, not at all. Um, I would doubt it. Just based on, I mean, last year Bradley Zimmer had a good season, uh, both at Double A AA and Triple A, and he was not called up for September. Um, I think when you're in a pennant race, uh, they're very careful on who they call up. It has to be someone. They're they're not doing cameos if you're in a pennant race in September. Right. Uh, it has to be someone who can help. For instance, a couple of years back, 2013, 
Jose Ramirez, obviously you look at him now and, and you're like, well, of course they brought him up. But when he was brought up for September um, in 2013, he was at double A. He had not played past double A. But what they saw was an extra glove and also someone who might be able to pinch run in certain situations. And that's all they used him for. So there has to be something really specific there that would help the team. And, and maybe, they're, maybe they see that with Mejia, but if they don't, they're not going to bring him up. I could see them uh, sending him to the Arizona Fall League, getting started there, that type of thing. Um, but if they, see some, if they see something that could help uh, in a pinch-hitting situation, that type of thing, they would do it. Whether they see that from someone who hasn't played above double-A remains to be seen. Yeah, Jesse, you're getting some feedback there or something. But uh, question for you. So looking at the AL Central, looking where you guys sit now, what is the one team that you see being the obstacle for the Indians or two teams, if it is, to repeating as uh, as champions? Well, you know, you keep saying that at some point Minnesota will fold because of how bad they were a year ago. But they come in this weekend and sweep the Indians three straight, and now they're back in first place, and they're just not going away. So I think until that happens, you can't discount them. The team that has been a concern all season, and and I felt this way coming out of spring training, then they got off to an awful start. But even when the Indians played them and played them well early in the season, you still saw the talent there, and if they ever got it going – they have a track record, and we're talking about Kansas City. Kansas City's a scary ball club. They're playing great right now, and they're right there. So uh, in my mind, it's still going to be Kansas City in the end that could be the, the, the biggest challenge for the Indians. But until the Twins fade and go away, you can't discount them because they, they could have folded after last weekend. The Indians went up to Minnesota and took four straight, but then they come in here and sweep the Indians. So that's a – I mean, what a uh, – Tip wow. of the cap yeah. to, to that ball club. That's a, a real nice turnaround. I thought it was a nice response by the Indians when they went to Minnesota after being uh, told by Chris uh, Jimenez that it was time to uh, go ahead and punch the Indians in the mouth. Wasn't that the uh, line? Yeah, and he was just horsing around. He's been with the Indians three different times, knows everybody in that clubhouse from last season. Um that's one of those things that got taken out of context. Everyone jumped all over it. But the guys in the Indians clubhouse were laughing about it because they know it, it's Chris Jimenez and he was just giving them the business. Like it, It's funny how things, you know, somebody hears something and then it's on Twitter and then it, and then it goes here, 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 and here. Mm-hmm. But for the mm-hmm. players in the Indians clubhouse, he's a friend of theirs. He's been through the wars with them. And they know he's, he's just horsing around. And he said it too, though. Um, because I asked Chris about it when we were up there, and and he said it was as much as he was just joking around and, and that type of thing. He wanted his team to know, though, that, hey, you know what, it's June, but this is a big series, and let's make sure we take it that way and play good mm-hmm. baseball. And it turns out they didn't, but uh, much ado about nothing. And, and Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and it's and funny it's, when yeah, he's, can... he's just having some fun. It's funny what you can read in different places uh, throughout the internet, and depending if uh, the context and everything. Yeah. And you know, it's yeah. funny because you know, 
I, as you know, Jim, uh, I'm new to all this. This is this is still brand new to JT and I, uh, 14 months into it, and uh, learning to deal with some of the adversity. And I realized I found out I didn't know. Maybe, and you probably don't, may or may not know. On Facebook, did you know that there's a anti Jim Rosenhaus uh, Facebook page, or there used to be? I did not know that. <laughs> but good for them. <laughs> it is, is funny. Well, they haven't posted since 2012 when they were hoping that uh, you weren't going to be renewed. They had all of 34 followers. And, uh, well, <laughs> they lasted till 2012. And uh, it's funny. Here you are. So it's, uh, it's crazy what you find out there all over on Twitter and uh, social media. Do you uh, – do you – like the social media part of this? Or are you one of those that embrace it, or do you do it because you have to? You know what? I, um, I'm on Twitter because I have to be. The, the club asked me to be. But mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a, a great resource for, um, you know, now I, I follow a lot of the, the national writers and, and obviously our local guys and, and guys from different teams around the league, and it's a great way, uh, you know, instead of, trying to go through and, and find articles, they're right there because usually they'll, they'll post links and things like that. So I think it's great for information. It really is. So I, I do enjoy being able to, to scroll through and, and, and find information. And then that, that allows you to go follow up on it and, and maybe dig a little bit deeper. But um, I think it's a, a great resource and a, a much quicker resource than maybe it used to be. Last one, Jim, and I, I'm going to leave off. I have to leave off with a, uh, a very serious question there. Those of you who haven't listened to the interviews, and again, go back, listen to the archived editions, iTunes and, and com on Blog Talk Radio, uh, and listen to Jim. You know, Jim was rather hardcore with us uh, last year. We felt that we should have passed Kipnis on the MVP list that he had. And... and you know, the deal was is that we, the, the tribe had to win the World Series. And I said, we should have passed Kipnis because we got you all there. Now, is it fair to say that, first of all, I, I want the same conditions. Uh, I, I definitely would like at least no less than third if the tribe wins the World Series. But I would like a little recognition, Jim. You know, you mentioned that the tribe have been struggling, and it's been through the starting pitching. I, I contend with you right now, sir, maybe it was because you haven't come on the show until now in the season. Watch what the that tribe could do. Be the, that could right be the now. missing link. <laughs> kindly do me a favor. Kindly just do me a favor. And all tribe fans out there, uh, and I'm, I'm serious about this, watch what happens to the tribe. Write down this j- date. June 26th and watch the tribe record from here to the end of the season. And I'm telling you, I think we pushed to number two this year, JT. You agree with me, JT? I mean, stand up for yourself, man. Hey, no, I don't know. I've been to see the tribe many times. I don't think we're good enough to get number two. There's some, there's some hell of a good, a lot of players on that team. So I think number two is uh, reaching for the stars a bit right now, Jester. But this is a fantasy show. Jim, you, I'm sure Jim knows about war, okay, wins against uh, above replacement. Think of what our war number will be if the tribe just go all, hell, all loose. 
all loose mm. the rest so, of the season. Think about what our, the difference in the record in the winning percentage of having us and not having us around. So does the winning percentage need to be better, or do they need to go to the World Series again? Well, all right. How about this? How about can we at least get third place if the winning percentage is – I'll give you 10 points. Let's see. What, what, what's the winning percentage right now, guys? I think they're three games over 500. Okay, so three games over 500. I say by the time they're all done, thanks to us, thanks to us, at least 10. At least 10. Wow. All right. And then for for second place, obviously for second place, because you're not going to, obviously, listen, I'm not in, I'm not greedy. I'm not going to try and take first place from the actual player that deserves it on the team. But I am going to challenge for second place for the World Series title. I got I, I got to argue. It sounds good, at least. I don't know. We'll see. Jim, I'll be seeing you down in Tampa, sir, when you come on down uh, in August. I, I can't wait to uh, finally get a chance to meet you. And then uh, we'll see where this all goes by season's end. But I'm going to tell you, night and day, Tribe fans, night and day, watch. You will hear this broadcast, and the tribe will go crazy. You're going to see. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. As always, fantastic information, and uh, great job, sir. Great job. We appreciate it. You are quite welcome, and thank you for the support. <laughs> the tribe fans will be we pleased. Can. We do. <laughs> listen, from where I sit in Florida, you got to remember, tribe fans, I'm in Florida, I am way past the player's age, and I'm way past the player's average size, unless you were the old CC Sabathia. Okay, so, um, no, uh, I'm doing everything I can from behind the microphone for you guys. <laughs> Appreciate it, Jim. You have, have a great day. God bless. Thanks for joining us. Oh, okay, take care. Thanks, Jim. Folks, that was Jim Rosenhouse on the line. Cleveland Indians voice on the radio, great guy, and always, always a fantastic, fantastic interview. We appreciate having him on, as always. JT, I'll tell you, that was, uh, once again, some of the inside stuff that he gives on players with all fantastic mm-hmm. work. Hey, he's, uh, his knowledge is unsurpassed and an absolute pleasure to listen to uh, call a game. So always has been and always will be one of my favorites. Yeah, complete gentleman, complete gentleman. Great guy in the sport, folks. If you get the opportunity, go ahead and listen to Jim Rosenhouse. Voice, Cleveland Indians Radio. And go ahead, while we're going to go ahead and pay some bills now. The Volusia County area, we'd be paying the bills over there with good old Delane and Metalcraft, you know, both on the local scene and on the national scene right now. First, with Deland Metalcraft, if you've got some custom metal work you need done, again, Deland Metalcraft, can't miss them, Volusia County, Florida, folks. Then, on our national scene, and our national sponsor, 84 Lumber, folks, you know, if you've got a at-home project that you need to do, whatever it is, it, you don't need to just go to Home Depot or Lowe's. 
You can go to 84 Lumber for those building supplies. Go ahead, check out the other guy's prices, then go see 84 Lumber. And uh, as we continue on, besides those folks, we're going to be adding several other sponsors now over these next couple of weeks. And we'd like to thank them in advance. I'm Arturo Freeman, former NFL player, defensive back, and I listen to the Fantasy Gesture. Show to go. 
the one, the only, Jason Townsend. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. You know, you mentioned Ryan Walton. Don't we have a birthday wish to send out to that uh, fine gentleman? It is his birthday today, folks, and it is surprising that after diving with all these sharks that are supposedly so bad, <laughs> he's here to celebrate another one with uh, his fine family. Uh, to him, to Amber and Koa, uh, we send their our best. Right. And again, uh, happy birthday to Ryan. Enjoy, uh, my friend. Uh, JT, I'll tell you, you know, uh, Jim, uh, as always, fantastic, fantastic interview and uh, mm-hmm. some good some good insight there for your fantasy players as well. You know, uh, not yet I'm here, you know, you dynasty people, you're thinking about maybe picking them up or, you know, certainly the the redraft people aren't going to pick him up this year, but it gives no. us something to look forward to, and uh, it was just a, a a great insight as to why the GM was traveling. I thought that was great. Right. You know, a lot of times that signifies trade, and it wasn't. It was just because well, uh, of the moves that were going to be needed. Be made, but how about the, uh, you know, there's a perception out there that, you know, a lot of baseball players have a little bit of that wide receiver diva in them, but to hear a guy like Cody Allen entrenched as a closer volunteer to jump up to that seventh and eighth inning to uh, give his uh, pen mate, Andrew Miller, uh, a little rest on that arm because he did throw a lot in that Dodgers series, got roughed up a couple mm-hmm. times as well. So, uh, you know, nice to see some of that camaraderie that uh, you don't hear enough about. I think all we hear about is a lot of the negatives in sports, but, you know, baseball seems to be one of those sports where you still still seem to have that team-first uh, camaraderie out there when you, you get on the road with these guys for, you know, 81 road games and 81 home games. So definitely interesting to hear Jim's perspective on things. Well, yeah, it really, it really speaks volumes about a guy like Cody Allen because, you know, these guys that are relievers, and in particular closers, okay, that are depending on their contract, their their numbers now, you're a closer, it's all about the saves, baby. How many saves did you get us? And to go ahead and volunteer, take a step back and have, his, you know, some of the key numbers reduced, uh, some of the ones that, you know, uh, flashy numbers like saves, uh, have that reduced, it, it says a lot. It says a lot about... It says a lot about him. It says a lot about uh, the team in general uh, and the thought pattern that must go on in that locker room. So uh, absolutely fantastic. And that's why it breeds success, I guess, you know. You were talking about uh, diva wide receivers. (laughs) You have to mention that. It's it's funny that – we have an article uh, by Tate for the top fantasy uh, wide receivers, and I also have an article about my beloved uh, diva wide receiver and our newest wide receiver, who is uh, known as a diva as well sometimes. But, uh, you know, let's go ahead. Let's take a look at Tate's article first uh, and his yeah. top thoughts. You know, uh, I, I really – all right. He has folks. Let me let me go down, and then I'll let JT go first, and then I'll I'll, I'll back up be, behind it on the top five being Julio Jones number one, Antonio Brown number two, T. Y. Hilton number three, 
Mike Evans, four. Amari Cooper, number five. T.Y. Hilton wow. at third, huh? Well, if you look at T.Y. Well, Hilton's numbers last year, they they do uh, they do stress that he would be a top three wide receiver. I believe he beat I believe he beat Julio Jones out in the yardage uh, category. I just I I see. The only reason being is I I really think you're going to see a big push by Moncrief. Yeah, I've I've heard that not from you, so to speak, but just in general that you know last year was the I think last year was his third year, and I know he fought injuries and this and the other, but then we're going to see this from Dorsett two years ago. We're going to see this from Moncrief last year. Um, honestly, Colts fans, I hate to say, it, and I'm not going to make any friends with this, but Andrew Luck still can't throw a football. Your offensive line is suspect at best. Um, I don't see a big year from Andrew Luck. And if Andrew Luck doesn't have a big year, it's going to be interesting to see how T.Y. and Mr. Moncrief pan out. Well, that's another reason there. Exactly what you're saying, though, is even if he's fine, they're going to run the ball more. They're going to they they have to. to protect him. They got to. Yeah, they have to. They have to. They have to run the football. Andrew Luck's just taking a beat. I do like T.Y. Hilton. I have him just outside my top five. Uh, if I if I were to say, and now mind you, my top five is based on blue sky. Everybody's healthy. I'm talking just pure talent mm-hmm. and what these guys mm-hmm. can do. Um, I have Julio at one. I do have Antonio Brown at two. At number three, I have DeAndre Hopkins. It's funny that people forget how immensely talented this kid is and the trash that he had at quarterback last year that he had to deal with. <laughs> and, uh, and people tend to forget how really good this kid is. I think Mike Evans is an interesting name. Um, I think Deshaun Jackson, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brate, Adam Humphreys, and the slew of running backs that all catch the football well – I actually think those will dip into his numbers. So I'm going to go Keenan Allen. And, again, a healthy Keenan Allen was dominating the wide receiver numbers through the first seven games last season. I believe he was up to, like, 76 catches. Uh, I think that's a guy that people don't know how really good that guy is. Uh, and then in number five, I'm actually going to go with the situation that he's in. And this may, uh, may surprise you a little bit. I like Brandon Marshall. And number five, I think the guy catches 15 touchdowns, and I think he catches 85, 90 balls. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. So Marshall's okay, a guy. So that, one, you've got, Marshall's that, a one guy. you've got Julio. Uh, two, mm-hmm. you've got Antonio. Mm-hmm. Okay. A three. DeAndre Hopkins. A three was. It was Hopkins. That's right. Okay. Four, I have Keenan Allen. Yeah, I don't agree with that one. What the numbers say? Anyway, um, hmm, interesting. I have I have uh, I have Keenan Allen out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have why is that? I mean, Antonio, huh? And, and why is that? Reason. 
he, I don't think he, he can stay healthy. As I just said, the st- stating on pure talent. All, all, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I, I, and if everything's all fantastic, yeah, I still won't put, it, put him in my top five. My top five, if, if, if healthy again, okay, is, is rock solid. I have Antonio mm-hmm. Brown at one, Julio at two, Amari Cooper at three, A.J. Green at four, and Hopkins at five. Do you really put Keenan yeah. Allen above those in, in, in that crowd? The numbers say he's better than those guys. The The situation says he's better than those guys. A, I'd much rather have Philip Rivers throwing me a football than, than you know, Andy, Andy Dalton, let's be real. Uh, two, you've got Ross, Boyd, Eifert, and, again, a trio of running backs in Mixon, Hill, and Bernard that all – catch the football extremely well as far as numbers go on that team, whereas when I flip over to San Diego, I got a first-round draft pick in Mike Williams with a bad back, nothing else behind him. I got a second-year tight end in Hunter Henry, and I got Melvin Gordon. I'm sorry, I just think you look at what Keenan Allen did before the injury last year, before the injury the year before, and again, he's the guy that gets hurt a lot. So is A.J. Green. A.J. Green missed, what, six games last year. So, pure talent, I think Keenan Allen's a better receiver. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. No, I just, I'm not saying I, AJ I just Green. Wow, it's funny, ball. though, that you mentioned the uh, Marshall thing. Yeah, I like Marshall this you. year. I'm sorry? I like Marshall this year. I think you're going to see single coverage in the red zone. And his size, his body build, and the way he shields the defensive backs when he goes up for the football, he's one of the few hands catchers in the NFL still. You know, a guy that doesn't let the ball get into his body, he just goes up at his highest, highest point and rips it down. Plus, I think the guy has something to show the um, so-called team down the street that uh, rents the same building as they do um, – I think he's got something to show them. When Brandon Marshall's motivated, look out. Well, that's what I'm, uh, my my thing is that you know, I, and I asked the question, folks. If you go to fantasyjusticesports.com, I, I asked the simple question of who is the New York Giants' number one receiver. I, I say it's Brandon Marshall. It's not Odell. I say you're right. I don't like saying oh, that. All right. I, say I, see, right. I thought you were going to argue me on this. I I really did. No. As much as I would like to argue you on this, you and I have talked before, I think the best, and again, hate it, hate me on this if you like, I think we're talking pure talent and what he brings to his team. You know, you, you said it best. You said this, that Odell Beckham is a the best, what is it, the best one-handed catch guy in the NFL. That's, that's what he's you know, great at. No one else can kick the shit out of a kicking net either like he does. I mean, the guy's fantastic at it. But Jarvis Landry, I think, is the better receiver to come out in the same year from the same school. I like Odell. I'm not knocking his talent. I just don't see him top five, and I still think he's going to draw double coverage, which I think Marshall's going to have a field day with. Well, you know, I my quote in the article, folks, for everybody out there, I'll give you a little snippet. I said, honestly, Odell could be number one in the league with his talent. He is every bit as good as Antonio Brown. Yes, I consider Antonio number one. He is every bit as talented as Brown from the neck down. 
from the neck up questions, serious questions. I don't know. I, I don't throw compliments or predictions around, but if Odell's head ever caught up with his athleticism, he could truly be one of the best to play the game. And that's, that's from the article, folks, and I, I stand by that. He truly could be one of the best. I, I've, he is, puts on show uh, circus-like catches, okay? He, he can get open. He, uh, he can make the move. If his head ever stayed on that and stopped with what shoes he's wearing, what the kicking net is doing, mm-hmm. okay, and mm-hmm. all that other extracurricular crap, See, I like the idea of hopefully the little friendly on-team rivalry that uh, Brandon Marshall will bring. See, you didn't get that with any of the other receivers, okay, Uh, where uh, I think Cruz was just one of the boys, okay. I don't think – I think because of Brandon Marshall's age, not one of the boys, not one of the kids. Let's also be real – you know, and this is no knock on these guys, but you look at the uh, Sterling Shepherds, the Victor Cruz, they're happy to be being Robin to Odell's Batman. I don't see Brandon Marshall being Robin for anybody. No, and that's what that's what I'm hoping for is that exactly, that Marshall expects to be still the go-to guy. And Odell expects to be the go-to guy and steps up his game and pays attention more to the game because, right. like, like, you, like, like you alluded to, there is no way Brandon Marshall isn't out to show what he can do. He's in the twilight of his career. He's got the best quarterback he's ever had. And he's in the building where you know he wants to show, hey, listen, folks, here's what you missed. And when I was out, it was simply, you know, there are injuries that you get, folks, that if you're, if you're on a losing team, they might keep you out a game or two because, listen, I'm just not going out there to go get my ass kicked another game that we can't win. Now, if you've got a little nagging injury and this is this that's going on, okay, but you're in the middle of a playoff hunt and you're playing for a franchise with a real quarterback, it might not miss as much time either. So it's going to be you interesting know, to see what we get out of Brandon Marshall this year. Here, here's a thought for you, just kind of a scary thought, to piggyback off something you said earlier about Odell's head and body. Can you imagine you take his his physical gifts and put it with a Steve Largent or Jerry Rice's actual work and knowledge and mental side of the game? Which you have. Well, but that's what. Oh, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. If you put the, if you put the bottom, the, the head, okay, that goes with that body, okay. Oh yeah, no, that kid could be one of the best that ever played the game. One of the best that ever played the game, if not the best. He is phenomenal. He he can twist. He can turn. A one-handed circus catch. This, that, the other, and he practices the most ridiculous catches so that he can be prepared for the most ridiculous catch. Okay, wonderful. Now let's see you stay in the game. Let's not let the Josh Normans of the world throw you off, the sneakers of the world throw you off, the kicking nets of the game throw you off. Okay, and stick with the X's and O's. Do you? And and doing what you should do. Put on a show. Do you, 
do you see a problem today? I brought this up a couple weeks ago when I was my mini rant about the NBA draft and all we had in the NFL draft, all we got to talk about is who's wearing what. Let's see your suit. Let's see your crop top Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott. You know, I mean, if these players would stop worrying about being fashion and on the red carpet today and actually put that kind of effort that they put into choosing their wardrobe into their actual game, you wonder how good some of these kids can be. Well, the, the, the argument for me is this, okay, and I agree with what you're saying there, and it also ties into part of how I feel about things as far as there's so much camaraderie, too, that is taking the edge off the competition, I believe. There is, uh, it is hard, hard for me to believe, okay, that you could have guys from the other team, and you're hanging out BSing before the game. Yeah, hey, bro, how you doing? How's everything going? Yeah, hey, how you been? Where you going to be out after the game? Oh, I don't know. Party's going to be over here. Where are you going to be? All right, I'll be over there. I'll heat up, yo. All right. And all this crap going on. They're the competition, and I'll still never, I'll just never get used to all that going on where you're not looking at the other team as a team that is trying to keep you from your goal. That guy on the other side of the line there is trying to keep you from winning. He's trying to keep you from a better paycheck. He's trying to keep you from your goal. Whether that goal is a Super Bowl trophy or a bigger paycheck, he still doesn't want you to have it. He's trying to beat your ass that day. Act like it. At least while you're there. (laughs) I just don't get it. I mean, keep your head buried in the game, guys. Keep the task at hand, if you will. You know, they tried to play off that whole boat trip. Right, right. Biggest game of Odell's life, the biggest game of his life is coming up, and he's on a boat and not watching films, not doing something to improve, because you know what? A lot of the guys that have gotten there before him, that's what they do. That's how they got there. They didn't get there from a boat trip. They got there from time in the film room, in the weight room, wherever. The best thing that Odell can do for himself, best thing Odell can do for himself is, in a way, kind of allow Mr. Brandon Marshall to be Batman and learn how the man goes and prepares himself for a game and learn the type of things that he does because he is a guy that prepares himself like a professional uh, for the for the game and, and maybe emulate some of that and you can see a guy that this time next year is at the top of that wide receiver list and not out of the top five. No, can I tell you something? Here's the problem with all of this, and uh, so I'll leave this because I just want to touch on the NHL for a second if we have time. Here's what I can see happening. How about Brandon Marshall actually does what Brandon Marshall does? Okay, and it starts pissing Odell off when in the end zone all of a sudden Brandon got the touchdown 
Brandon got the, the the press this week. They were talking about what Brandon did this past week and not what Odell's shoes looked like. Okay, then you see, then all of a sudden during the game, man, I should have gotten that catch. I was more open. See, that's the fear. That's the great fear of every Giant fan right now is that while, mm-hmm. yes, this should be a dynamite offense, it literally could be also built on that powder keg of dynamite that is Odell Beckham. What happens be if Brandon Marshall becomes Batman and Odell doesn't want to be Robin? Mm-hmm. Hey, to be continued. You're talking about the NHL. You mentioned the NHL. I have one thing to say. Did the Tampa Bay Lightning get the Chris Kunitz from two years ago or the Chris Kunitz from last year? Because that could be one of the best signings one-year deal in the league if they get the guy from a couple years ago. Yeah, real quick. uh, Winners on the the front, so far, free agent NHL front, Nashville, Definitely like what they're doing. They added hard now with a little toughness, a little experience. Nick Benino, they ended uh, Anders Lindback. I like what Dallas did, okay, with Hanzel and Mathot. Okay, we'll get into all that. We'll talk more about hockey definitely next week because we definitely are running out of time, folks. And obviously, the Devils, as far as they're concerned, one of the worst scoring teams, what did they do? They go out and get a guy in free agency, scored a whopping 13 goals last year. That's my Jersey Devils. And I have been the Fantasy Jester along with JT, bringing you the Fantasy Jester Show. Folks, great fun-filled night. Next week, Kristen Ware, Miami Dolphins cheerleader alum. Don't miss it. If you had on the Justice. One shot. Come out. One opportunity. Everything you ever wanted One moment